Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. Last time on Urge to Kill. What was going through your mind? I just felt that I needed to shut her up. How that leads to I have to kill her to do so? That's an equal out, man. I think all throughout my life, I have struggled with somehow the urge to kill. Can you please uh, help me find her body immediately? I want to tell you where the body is. Yeah, I do. But I want to get home first. At the beginning of Edwin Lara's six-hour police interview in a California jail, he draws a map for detectives that shows where he dumped Kaylee Sawyer's body. You know that the Shoots River? Shoots River. Okay, are we closer to Redmond? Closer to Redmond. Mm -hmm. Okay, so there's a mailbox right here. Reads 18700. He tells them the spot they want to find is off the highway a few miles from his home in Redmond. Around the same time that Edwin draws that map, a group of detectives back in Oregon find the car he ditched outside the Ross Dress for Less, where he kidnapped Andrea. Inside the dark green Subaru, they find two notes Edwin left behind. These are the notes he mentioned in that 911 call before his arrest. I left my vehicle with a note. You know, in Salem, 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 Oregon, and I parked there right in front of the mall. The first note says, the place I killed her is on the B-12 lot. Run her over on College Way. The second says, this note is to say I'm sorry for taking her life. One eight seven zero zero. To her dad, I'm sorry. To her mom, I'm sorry. It was an accident. She screamed and I had to silence her. My intention was not forever. To my wife, I'm sorry. I will forever love you. But that part about 18700, it's the same mailbox number he's just drawn on the map for detectives McLaughlin and Beckwith. And uh, what what do those uh, numbers mean? Um, we didn't know, and uh, some top-notch uh, detective work. You know, they, of course, uh, were talking amongst themselves. What could those numbers mean? They were Googling just those numbers. It turns out, 187 is the California penal code for murder. Is he playing a game, or is that really a clue about where he left Kaylee's body? Detectives will soon find out. I'm Ashley Korslin, and this is Episode 6 of Urge to Kill, a KGW original. Yeah, the devil's going to take. It's a blistering hot July day in the high desert of central Oregon. A cavalry of detectives descend on a rural part of Highway 126, 10 miles west of Redmond. All they have to go on is that map scribbled on a piece of paper. 
It's early afternoon and the sun is high overhead. A Bend police detective named Timothy Ney is one of the first to park his patrol car and start scouring the area for any trace of Kaylee. He sprints along the guardrail which separates the highway from a small canyon peppered with pine trees, rocks and sagebrush. Off in the distance, just beyond where the highway curves, he can see the Three Sisters, a trio of mountain peaks which are part of the Cascade Mountain Range. This view is a stark contrast to what he's about to see. Here's how he would later describe it to investigators. Um, so I ran at a dead sprint down the road on the, I guess the next to the guardrail and looked to my left, which is south, as I ran west. Um, and I came across uh, what I believe to be uh, Miss Sawyer um, laying on the rocks. She's lying at an angle about 20 feet down the rocky canyon. She's on her stomach with her arms and legs stretched out in a way that makes his heart skip a beat. When I, when I saw her initially, uh, I, I, re I remember thinking that I thought she was alive and I thought that she was attempting to crawl up the face of the rocks that were on the south side of the road. The reason being is that uh, her, her body positioning was such that her right hand was on the edge of a rock as if you were pulling yourself up the, the embankment as well as the way her feet were placed on the rock at the end of her body, it, it seemed as though she had been pulling or pushing her way up the embankment. So I jumped over the guardrail and kind of hopped down the rocks um, to where I could get to uh, check for um, vital signs. <clears throat> um, I, I initially checked her right wrist because it was the most available. Um, it was sticking out, her hand was uh, extended. Um, careful not to manipulate her body in any fashion, I checked for a pulse. I did not feel a pulse, um, uh, so I checked to see if I could uh, check a pulse on her neck, um, and uh, I, di I did not have any vital signs. Deschutes County District Attorney John Hummel also vividly remembers every detail about his first steps on the scene. Well, we had to park about a quarter mile away from that spot because you couldn't get your car off the road really without blocking traffic. And we walked to the edge and then you have to, you have to get down. I mean, you got to be kind of on your knees and hands almost as you're shimmying down. It's, it's rocky and... Um, there's loose dirt. It's very difficult to get purchase as you're going down. And fortunately, we all made it down without tumbling. And then from down low, you can't see the road. I mean, the road is, the, the lip of the cliff is up high and the road's on top. And, and you're, down, uh, you're, you're down alone uh, at the bottom of that ravine. When you think about where he dumped her body, just the most awful of circumstances, you don't do that to somebody. Right. Well, it was the second place he had dumped her body, too. He dumped her uh, initially, I guess, uh, 
maybe he would say because he didn't have uh, a lot of time. He didn't near his house. It was just quick, and he went home. And then the next day, uh, apparently, he thought, well, I need to get a, a better spot. And that's when he put her in the, the other spot. Um, you know, I don't expect uh, somebody of his, you know, personality to ever, you know, show um, respect to, you know, the body of a deceased person when they showed such little respect to the, the life of a, a living person. But, 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 but it, I just think it tells you more about his depravity, how he chose to dispose of that body, just tossed down and her body no doubt rolled and tumbled till it came to rest. Kaylee's body is taken to the medical examiner's office for an autopsy, where it's determined she died of blunt force trauma. Oftentimes, families of victims will ask to see the body or the autopsy photos to understand how their loved one died. We advised her family not to look at the autopsy photos. They, they did not. I'm glad they took her advice. As the day goes by, word of the discovery gets out in the community and becomes the lead story on the local news. A tragic update to bring to you tonight in the disappearance of Bend resident Kaylee Sawyer. Police now say they found a body and they believe that to be Sawyer's body. For Kaylee's family, the news brings overwhelming grief. Here's her dad, Jamie, and stepmom, Crystal. You know, we've just found out that Kaylee's been murdered, and here, as a mom, I'm thinking, how am I going to tell her brothers that their sister has just been murdered? And that's one of the hardest things, on top of everything else, to make sure that your kids can process what has happened to their sister, someone they've totally looked up to. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million families building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com odyssey. That's greenlight.com odyssey. Growing up here, dealing with everything that's going on now, I'm surprised this town's even standing. Bardstown, Kentucky is a small town in the heart of the Bluegrass State. But Bardstown, Kentucky also has secrets. Five unsolved murders over four years. Rumors and theories, and still no one is behind bars. I've been 100% great. Listen to what I'm saying. You listen to what I'm saying. Bardstown, a new podcast from Vault Studios. It's been you know, almost six years. There's still not a lot of answers. As the investigation continues, police learn that Edwin had first disposed of Kaylee's body in a different location than where they found her. 
This development will become a crucial piece of their case later on, but they don't know the significance of that quite yet. Up at Central Oregon Community College, detectives comb through lot B-12, the place where Edwin killed Kaylee. The Oregon State Police Forensics Unit arrives and sets up a mobile command post. The dark blue trailer has gold letters and a badge across the side. Not something students are used to seeing on this quiet campus. A forensics team spreads out along the evergreen and fir trees and begins collecting evidence. Their bright orange t-shirts stick out like a sore thumb. Their baseball caps and hiking boots protect them from the heat, tall grass, and dirt. It doesn't take them long to find the exact spot where Edwin killed Kaylee. There are large rocks and boulders, and one of them is covered in blood stains. A few feet away, they can see a small patch of overturned dirt. This is where Kaylee struggled to get away from her killer. So this would have been the road he drove up to go to lot B12. It'd be pitch black out and quiet, I would guess, at night. When our podcast team traveled to Bend to produce this podcast, we went to COCC. We drove up that same winding road. Edwin drove Kaylee. But it's a windy road up a hill. See, this is B9. There it is, right there, B12. When we got there, we got out of the car and walked around. So this is lot B12. And it's like the most picturesque, beautiful outlook spot in this parking lot. And this is where he took her. He put, when he had her in his car, he drove her up here and took her behind this tree where there's a memorial, a tribute to Kaylee. And he beat her over the head with one of these rocks. One of these large boulders. So awful. And it's like so quiet up here. At night, it'd be pitch black. There's no lights around this empty parking lot. It's just terrible. The first thing that I noticed was a colorful memorial for Kaylee. A giant lime green letter K is nailed to a tree. In loving memory, Kaylee Ann Sawyer is written across it in a black sharpie. On the bottom left, the date 3-2-1993, the day she was born. And on the right, 7-24-2016, the day she died. Above the K is a smaller wood sign surrounded by purple flowers. The sign spells out the word love. That memorial is just one way the community honors Kaylee after the discovery of her body. Hundreds gathered to mourn the loss of Kaylee. Local NBC affiliate KTVZ covers a candlelight vigil 
as the community struggles to make sense of it all. Our friends, coworkers, and grandmothers shared memories of Kaylee. I want you all guys to know that she was an absolutely fantastic human being. And I will miss her so deeply. Back in California, Edwin is arraigned on charges of attempted murder, kidnapping, and carjacking. And then he's eventually brought back to Oregon. It'll likely be a couple of days before Edwin Laura is brought back here to Bend. In the meantime, his apparent crime spree has stunned many and left a lot of people asking the question, why? That's something Jamie and Crystal have asked themselves over and over again. I just, I don't understand it. I don't know if I could ever come to terms with that. I think the question's always there. I think it's always there. And I don't think we'll ever get the answer to. No, it's what we do beyond it, what you do with this. It's not that these things don't happen in the world and it's terrible to even think about it. It's going on right now. This is just us. What's harder is... Why us? How can it be us? Mm -hmm. How can this be Kaylee? This can't be. I mean, from the beginning, it's like my biggest anguish was this can't be. There's no way. I have too much still to talk about. We have too much still to do. There's too much past that we need to fix. Mm -hmm. And uh, now I, I don't get to. It just baffles me that somebody can just take someone's life in any aspect, whether it be this amount of violence to um, just wanting to know what it's like. In the weeks and months that pass, Edwin's attorneys prepare for trial. One year after the murder, the prosecution is dealt a huge blow to their case. Your heart must have just sank at that point. It was a dark moment when we, uh, when we had that ruling. Here's District Attorney John Hummel. There was uh, two hours, I would say, where it was uh, gloomy in the office. What did happen down there? Was it a technicality? Was it a huge mess up? How do you describe that? Well, it was a mistake. It was uh, non-intentional, of course. We all make mistakes. I, I make mistakes, and, and I admit it. I'd like to hope that those officers would say, you know, they, they didn't do it right and they've learned from this. Edwin's attorneys argue that when he was initially booked into the Tehama County Jail in California, he indicated to jail staff that he wanted to speak to a lawyer. He said, when do I get a lawyer? Well, according to jail staff, they interpreted that as a procedural question rather than a specific request for an attorney. And then there's this. Under California Penal Code, new arrivals at the jail must be given a chance to make three phone calls within three hours of being booked. Edwin was not allowed to make those calls. We do know he was able to call Isabel at some point after that three-hour window because we obtained this recording. I have a prepaid call from Edwin, an inmate at Tehama County Jail. If you wish to accept this prepaid call, dial zero and hold. To refuse, dial... Thank you. Hello? Hi. Hey, Ben. What are you doing? 
Well, yeah, trying to put my life back together. Yeah, I'm sorry to hear that. So when, when is your court? When are you having court? So right now I feel that all my rights are being violated. Because an attorney hasn't been appointed to me, although, you know, they, they read my rights when I got here. They're like... So has hablado or no has hablado? Yeah, I keep asking for an attorney, and there is no attorney because... Okay, so... ...for me to be transferred to Oregon, and that's going to take a while. All I want, all I want is a lawyer. That's all I want. I want a freaking lawyer because my rights are being violated right now. And a lawyer was supposed to be appointed to me from, from the moment I asked for a lawyer. And I've been asking for lawyers since I got basically booked last, uh, yesterday or whenever that was, two days ago. I don't know what day it is today. I don't even know what time it is. So please, please, yes. Freaking tell me that lawyer, that's all I need. I am working on that. At, the, at this point, you know, are you scared about the lawyer? That's it. I just want a lawyer. Because so far I haven't gotten a lawyer, you know, and I know, I know Ben PD came interrogated me yesterday. You know, and that was, actually that was against the law because they don't have jurisdiction in Oregon, so they're not even certified to interrogate me here in California. Yeah, I don't, I don't know anything about that, right. okay? So, so just, I don't, just okay? Just a lawyer because I need to talk to the lawyer. Yes, yes. All right. Okay, so that's just, all I need. Just know, just remember, okay, I'm doing all of this for all the years that we've been married together. Uh, thank you for that. I thank you, and. And I do love you, and sorry that I, that I screwed up your life. But all, all the evil things, that I don't even know what... Okay, that is, that is, so it's, it's fine. So I'm just letting you know what it's being worked on, and that's it. Ultimately, Detectives Beckwith and McLaughlin questioned Edwin for six hours without an attorney present, not knowing Edwin didn't get a chance to contact a lawyer. Here's Detective Beckwith. I mean, I think that police officers who know about this case um, still struggle with that, right? Like, uh, Detective McLaughlin and I advised him of his Miranda rights like he was a child, very systematically and slowly um, to make sure that he understood and acknowledged those. Um, we also read him as consular rights, which, uh, you know, also basically tell him, don't talk to these investigators until you have a chance to talk to your consulate office and they'll get you connected with your family and an attorney, right? The language is very clear, um, and we read both of those things, and we were very, very clear with him that he understood his rights. The thing that's hard for us as investigators also is his wife is a Ben PD recruit, and he is you know, aspiring police officer himself who's received some training and is uh, college educated. So he knows he doesn't have to talk to us. During pre-trial hearings, Deschutes County Circuit Court Judge Michael Adler is forced to make a tough decision. He rules that because of those circumstances, Edwin's murder confession can't be used as evidence It was difficult for me because I had made some promises uh, to her family members about um, the case being done the right way. Um, and, and, you know, when, it, when I wasn't able to honor those promises, that was very difficult. So essentially, the whole confession he made to you and Detective McLaughlin got tossed out? 
yeah, if you want to say it got tossed out, yeah, he would he would not have allowed that information to come in if the case were to go to trial. It's crushing for them. Yeah, the devil's gonna take me. Next time on Urge to Kill. If we are going to have a death penalty in Oregon, it's meant for Edwin Law. After Edwin's confession is tossed out, attorneys move forward. And an unexpected twist. Police look for someone else connected to the case. Just tell us what you can tell us about the cousin. Cousin's a suspect in helping to dispose of the body. I don't think that's uh, any secret. If it was a secret, it's not now because I just told you. Urge to Kill is a KGW and Vault Studios production. Please subscribe and leave us a rating or review. We've got a lot more information, including videos and pictures, on kgw.com slash urge to kill. You can also follow us on Instagram at urge to kill podcast and join the urge to kill Facebook group on KGW's Facebook page. This show is written and hosted by me, Ashley Korslin. It's produced by me, Destiny Johnson, and Mila Mamitsa. It's edited by Zachary Carver and Destiny Johnson. Original artwork by Jeff Patterson and videography by Eric Patterson. Special thanks to Ellen Boynton, Andy Thomas, and KGW management and staff. If you or a loved one are a victim of sexual assault, help is available 24-7. Call the National Sexual Assault Hotline at 1-800-656-4673. Or you can find help at www.online.rain.org. That's R-A-I-N-N. Hi, Bardstown listeners. This is Jessica Knoll. If you're enjoying the show, you might also like True Crime Chronicles from Vault Studios. We bring you a new true crime story from across the country each week, digging into some lesser-known cases you might not have heard of. So check out True Crime Chronicles, And of course, thanks for listening to Bardstown.